Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Talk Junkies, where tonight's going to be a very interesting night, as it is each and every single week here at Talk Junkies. we got Jesse in the house. How you doing, brother? Doing well. Doing well, doing good, doing great. Glad to have you in your, in your chair, my man. Uh, anyhow, tonight's going to be a fantastic night. We have a beautiful guest on coming on this evening. But before I get into that, uh, we didn't do a podcast last week. Uh, went to the Chiefs game, had a great time. Uh, Chiefs are going to the Super Bowl, baby. Uh, just a phenomenal time. Had a great time. Uh, but check out the, the, the podcast before that. We had Richard Lawrence on out of the UK. Uh, he came on the show. I got his book up there. Um, just talked about UFOs somewhat, talking about how to use your consciousness for, for, to better yourself. Just how to you know, up, re, or up your consciousness to be a better human being and a better individual. And we, just, we did a deep dive on that, and it was pretty fascinating. So check out that podcast. But anyway, uh, this evening we have a, um, a guest who's been on many times at Talk Junkies. This gentleman has a podcast called the Truth Money Freedom Podcast which I'm, I'm not entirely too sure how that's going, so he'll, he'll be able to tell us a little bit about that as well. He also is uh, a big part of the Missouri Freedom Initiative, which is a big proponent of getting the SEPA passed in Missouri a couple years back, and they're still just heavily involved in uh, politics in Missouri and trying to make Missouri the freest state of all 50 states. Pat, how you doing, man? Thanks for joining. Hey, I am great. It is so good to see you again, Paul and Jesse. Johnny's missing. He is. He, he is. It, it's hard, man. Jeez. Lately, it's hard to get all three of us in, in the same room I know. Yeah, I wanted life. to talk to him so bad, though. He called me last week. He had a great business opportunity for me. It's something about a, a Chinese weather balloon company. So I sent him <laughs> 100 grand. And, uh, you know, and he's not here tonight to talk about it because it's gone south in the Atlantic. Yes, and, it is. Uh, but it, that's okay. You know, we'll catch up with him next time. Yeah. But uh, all joking aside, thank you very much for having me back, guys. It's a pleasure. Oh, it always is, man. Uh, thanks for putting a smile on my face. That's awesome. So what's going on with the Missouri Freedom Initiative, man? What's what's kind of uh, your guys' uh, plans right now? What are you guys kind of uh, gearing towards? Or if, if you know what I'm saying, like what's what's the big picture for you guys right now of what's going on? Gotcha. We're, we're working some legislation right now. We've got a, several really good pieces of legislation. Um, now, before, there's a caveat. What I'm about to talk about is just about the state of Missouri. So those of you who are in other states, stay tuned because we have some really good stuff going on here that you may want to incorporate into the legislation in your state as well. I'll talk about the big one, SB 100. That stands for Senate Bill 100. And that's uh, the sponsor is Bill Eigel, Senator Bill Eigel. And basically what we're doing with that bill is we're turning gold and silver back into legal tender in the state of Missouri. But wait, there's more. We're also getting rid of capital gains taxes on gold and silver, the last taxes, vestiges of taxes on gold and silver in the state of Missouri. And uh, we're also criminalizing confiscation of gold and silver. We're not going to let that happen in our state. And uh, we're also working with uh, the Treasury to uh, not only take gold and silver for payment of taxes, if the taxpayer so chooses to do so, but also take a certain amount of the reserves and put them into gold and silver, take them out of U.S. bonds and put it into physical gold and silver. This is... Uh, quite possibly the most complete best bill that has ever been seen before in the United States in a move to protect a state from the failing dollar and inflation, but also too to protect the people of Missouri from the possibility uh, in fact, I shouldn't have said possibility. I should say likelihood of a digital currency coming from the federal reserve. And then of course, along with that comes ESG and social credit scoring. So that's a big one we're working on right now. And if you're in the state of Missouri, 
we need to act on that right away because that's like four bills away from being heard on the Senate floor. We've already been through committee. Uh, this thing is zooming fast, very fast. It's a very popular bill. It is got its national attention on this bill. I don't know if you guys saw it was on Zero Hedge. It's been on Money Metals Report. It's uh, It's been all over the Internet, SB 100, our very bill right here in Missouri. In fact, it's so popular, there's 13 other states that have similar legislation this year because they borrowed from the bill in Missouri, and which is exactly the way it should be. When there's a really good bill, when there's a really good bill in a state, other states should steal that bill and run that bill in their state as well. Damn, Pat. So that's that's that, number one that's 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 heavy man in, in a good way yes it is yep heavy metal man heavy metal so what's number two and number two actually i'm going to jefferson city tomorrow you know tomorrow morning early i gotta leave in very early in the morning uh but i'm working on getting rid of sales tax on food in the state of missouri and a very big step in that is tomorrow we have actually senate hearings in jefferson city on that so i'll be participating in the hearings I'll actually be speaking, you know, to the committee. If I'm not mistaken, I think Kansas did something like that recently. I don't, it, it, yes. Okay. Yes, they did. Yeah. That's correct. We're one of 13 states that actually have sales tax on food. There's only 13 states that do that. And uh, we're supposed to be a conservative state. Why do we have sales tax on food? Where does it shouldn't it, be that way, where does right? That, where does that money go? Uh, well, actually, it goes in a surprising variety of directions. Um DESE, in other words, the public school system gets a portion of it. Um, uh, Department of Natural Resources gets a portion of it. And we're talking about the state side right. of sales tax and some other agency. I can't remember what. And then you have county and city sales tax on top of the state sales tax. And we just need to get rid of all of it. Yeah, It all needs to go. And no, we're not talking about getting rid of sales tax. We're talking about sales tax on food. If you are on government benefits and you have an EBT card and you go to the grocery store, whatever food qualifies to be on that EBT card would also qualify to literally be taken off of uh, the sales tax menu, if you will. So that's the way we're doing it. So it's not like you go to the grocery store and you get your Jack Daniels and you get your, you know, your carton of Marlboros and, you know, and then all of a sudden there's no tax on it. Not like that. We're talking about food and the same food that qualifies for EBT. Real quick question for you. So as of 2023, and I actually resell on eBay, it's kind of like a side mm -hmm. hustle that I have. Mm -hmm. uh, the state of Missouri actually started charging tax on that. Is that they what's compensating? <laughs> Is that what's compensating uh, for that to start? No, no, that's something that they've been trying to get done for a long time, and they finally got it done. Uh, so basically, you want to talk about a state that's flush with tax money. Now, I don't know about cities and counties because they're they're awfully quiet about all the extra cash they've been getting since inflation. Because remember now, uh, sales tax is a percentage. As the prices of things go up, so do the taxes they collect. But I will say this. Um, the state of Missouri has $6 billion in the kitty. Six. Did you guys know the Missouri Constitution says we're not supposed to have reserves? I did not know that. Yeah. We're not supposed to be collecting more money than we need for state operations. Yet every year we're collecting more money than we need and we're building up this massive $6 billion kitty. $6 billion as of, I think it was October of last year, something like that. It's probably more than that now. And what's the reason you know, behind we're probably that? Go ahead. What's the reasoning behind that? What do they say? Well, it's because of inflation. Right. 
But I'm sure, you know, of course, the, the, many. Uh, it depends on who you talk to. Some people are saying, "Oh, we have so many businesses moving to Missouri." You know, we have. You know, the economy is so good here. No, it's inflation. And by the way, cities and counties are also flush with extra cash. It's inflation. Remember now, inflation's really, really good for governments and banks. It's just bad for you and me. Well, yeah, that's true. I mean, and just to break it down, you know, it's when you have inflation and you see increases in just regular food like eggs, milk, all that thing, you're paying more in sales tax. That's correct. Yeah. And, yep. uh, and that applies to everything that you buy. Yep. Yeah. So now, as Jesse just stated, they're collecting sales tax on uh, internet sales too for the very first time ever in the state of Missouri. That means if you buy a product and it comes from, let's just say, from you know, Alaska, they're building you know little frozen widgets up there, and you buy those frozen widgets, and just last year in December when you were buying those frozen widgets, there was no Missouri sales tax. Now there is. Now the Alaska vendor has to collect Missouri sales tax and send it to the Missouri government. Okay, so now that now we know that something like that's been passed, what gives you hope that you that getting rid of sales tax on food is something that's uh, fathomable? Fathom, yeah, well, whatever that word is. My my thing was was that balancing it out, like like was there an empty hole being created, like? from uh, like they need they need the money clearly because once you start getting money you don't get used to not getting that money you just go oh we reduce things you need the money to come from somewhere because you know you acclimate to the amount of taxes coming in so yeah, that was my kind of my especially yeah so that was kind of my question is is bringing that in from internet sales tax uh now going to balance out from uh not having to pay a sales tax on food I don't think so. I don't think it kind of works that way. I, I would say, I mean, I joke about it. I say, I just walked in my county office and I saw behind a glass case, they have several Monet paintings, you know, and some, uh, you know, that they're investing in art now. Uh, that's my joke, by the way, that's not right. true, but yeah. yeah, they have so much cash coming in. They're burning it up. I mean, they're wasting money now. And I don't want to talk about that a whole lot because that gets into the kind of clients that I have. So I'm not going to say anything more about that. I'm just going to say they're wasting money now because they have so much coming in. They're trying to figure out what to spend it on. And so that's weird to hear because supposedly we we have reached our maximum, right? Like yeah. like overall, I get that's on a federal level, not talking on a state level, but apparently we've, you know, we've reached the the debt limit, you know. But then now you're talking about on a state level all this reserve cash they don't know what to do with. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that, that's just, it's just so a this, really weird polar opposite thing to, to hear. Yeah. Well, we could talk about the Laffer curve that could, that could be, uh, you know, basically a podcast all on its own, you know, basically how much tax can you charge before things fall apart and they fall apart sometimes in an extremely violent way. And we're very close to that point. I believe the Laffer curve, look that up, but I think at this point, I mean, it, the state can't justify spending all this extra money. So they're throwing it in the kitty and they have to find ways to cut taxes now. The best, okay. easiest, and most constitutional tax cut we can do, according to the Constitution, Article 1, Section 2, which is equal application of the law, is to cut a tax that basically benefits everybody. Now, if you want to go by what the governor does, a uh, governor's special session, September 14th and 15th of 2022, the governor says, let's go ahead and give massive tax, tax breaks to the farmers. Well, that directly and indirectly affects about 10% of the population. 100% are paying in 10% benefit. 
That's, you see, that's once again, that's not only unethical, that's unconstitutional. And one of my guys in the Missouri Freedom Initiative talked to the governor about it, and he agreed it was unconstitutional. And he says, but I'm just doing what other governors have done before. Man, just, just here, continuing the same program. Not to go off on a tangent here, but explain bailouts with that kind of logic. Man, explain bailouts to me. Like, yeah. you, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, like, don't, sorry, we don't, we don't yeah. have to go down that, but that just clicked yeah. in my head. But anyway, it, continue. I'm sorry. Yeah. Some blatant, some blatant so, stuff where I'm like, man, if that's the logic behind it. Yeah. So, our, uh, you know, basically our logic and what we're doing, the Missouri Freedom Initiative up in Jefferson City, in large numbers, by the way, what we're doing is we're literally trying to steer this to actually a tax break that is constitutional. We're trying to get these politicians to literally honor their oaths of office. And the, and, and the best tax cut there is, is literally cutting the taxes on food. There is nothing better and more constitutional than that. But you'd be surprised with all the public unions that come out of the woodwork very, very quickly and very suddenly didn't show up at these committee hearings. You know, like um, anyone who benefits from the sales tax on food, people from DESE, people, you know, superintendents from school districts coming and say, oh, my God, we can't do without that money. We have to have that money. You know, it, you know, it's it's a case of NIMBY, not in my backyard. We have to cut taxes, but absolutely no department wants their department cut, you know, even a little bit. But they still get funding. They get funding in other in other ways. Well, doesn't matter. Lottery. <laughs> no, I, like that's, I get I get that. But but like you said, we're one of 13 states that still have uh, sales tax on food. Like it's something yep. that's overwhelmingly, overwhelmingly a majority of not happening in the United States. Missouri is not going to be one of those 13 states anymore. Yeah. That's that's what we're trying to accomplish, and if and I'm going to that committee hearing tomorrow, and I've got some very specific things to say. I've got a I've got a written script to read to that committee to stay on task, and also assuming there's going to be a lot of people there to testify to keep it in a timely, you know, short period of time. Go ahead, Jesse. Is that including like restaurant food or fast food or just grocery uh, store scenario? I don't know enough about the EBT card and how it works. I do know that um, anything uh, so EB, anything that you can buy with an EBT card. Yeah. EBT, that's you what can, I know okay. the legislation you, says. Because I was about to say that's more luxury anyway, and, and that, that should be. Yeah. I'm like, that, you still that can't, makes sense for being taxed. With EBT, you can, within, still, you can still go to places like a gas station, Quick Trip. You can still go to Papa Murphy's, you know, because it's not cooked and all that shit. Like, you, yeah. you can still, in some restaurants, Like, I'm not can. sitting down at a Texas roadhouse and then not having to pay sales tax right. on my, you know, on my $40 steak. No, no, that's steak. not the way the EBT okay, card that, works. Okay, I just yeah. wanted to, like, clarify that a little bit. Whenever you say, because that's technically right. food, too. Yeah. But you're, yeah. you're talking about necessity of life level, level food. I am indeed. Like, like that. Yes. Okay. So how hopeful this are you? How hopeful are you that this is something that could pass in Missouri? Uh, I'll tell you what. The way it got attacked last year, uh, I would say that I am right now about 75%. Uh, uh, cautiously optimistic is what a politician would say. And the reason being is because I, I do have written up something very powerful. I need to be the first one to speak tomorrow on the committee hearing so I can shut down, you know, uh, hopefully shut down people who would come behind me that want to speak against shutting down sale, you know, getting rid of sales tax on food. So I know how exactly how to do that, but I also need to be one of the first ones to speak. And so, you know, but I know my way around on that kind of stuff up in Jeff city, you know, I've been yeah. do, playing this game for a while now. 
Um, but I, I'll tell you what, though, uh, public unions always seem to come out of the woodwork in these situations, and I'm expecting them tomorrow, too. And, and these are the people who are paid and on the clock in a city or county vehicle with a, putting gas in that vehicle with a city or county credit card, driving up to Jeff City to literally fight against taking away the very tax that gives them the money to give them the salary for the day, the car for the day, the gasoline for the day. That's well, the kind of people we're fighting against. Well, unfortunately, you know, with, with like we talk about inflation, something has to give. So there has to be yes. some types of breaks for people who live in Missouri and Missourians. You know, again, we can sit here and talk people blue in the face, but I have a family of three. When I go to the grocery store, I feel it every day. And I feel yep. like everyone does. And that's, and that's just across the board with anything, house, house prices. If you want to go buy a house with the way interest rates are, and I know that's not typically or not necessarily on a, on a state level, but we're feeling it from all all sides of, of our life, from behind the head, from side to side, and even in the front. And something has to give, Pat. And thank you so much for you know taking your time to go out there tomorrow and the people that will be joining you to try and fight for people who, who don't really have a voice, you know? Yep. So That's what we do. Uh, and you know, we're doing other things too. We're, we're working on, um, you know, basically SB eight, which is a Senate bill that, uh, will help us, uh, you know, basically get rid of, or at least, uh, temper personal property taxes. Cause that's out of control too. We need to get rid of that. I have people contact me all the time saying you need to get rid of property taxes in the state. And I, uh, it often ends up being a half an hour conversation to explain from beginning to finish how difficult that is and how much time it will take. Uh, because that is something that I uh, I spent about 60 hours investigating that back in 2021. And I found out how difficult it is to make that actually happen on the state level. And that's a multi, multi-year project to get done. But I do believe that's something that we might be able to start on next year. And maybe, maybe with any luck, by 2026 or 2027, we might be able to get it done. Yeah, you got to take it one one thing at a time. Um and I think that that's wonderful as well. But what are your thoughts? And this is kind of leaving the state level, but with the Republicans in the House uh, on, a, on a federal level trying to get rid of income tax, how likely do you see that being a, being a thing? Uh, they just, honest to God, that ain't going to happen. Uh, so it's nice that they're trying. They're showing people that they're trying to make an effort. But here's the deal. Okay, let's do brass tax, guys. I, I hate to do this, uh, but I've got to do this right now really quick so you guys understand where I'm coming from. Why isn't it the Republicans didn't do that when they had the House, the Senate, and the White House? Why are they doing it now when they only have the House and they can never get it through the Senate and they could never get the president to sign on it? It's it's theater, Paul. Yeah. These Republicans are unfortunately um, putting on entertainment for all of us. They want you to root for them and to get them more people in the Senate and then ultimately get them the White House back where they will do absolutely nothing yet again. Fair enough. So frustrating. Yeah. Because we, we've, it, it's not even like a matter of if that's the case. It's just, it's going to be that way. Yeah. I mean, um, it's giving people it, hope, you know, but. What, what a common person like myself and, and a lot of people are like, like-minded is we want some legislation that hold, is able to hold them more accountable to the position that they have. Well, didn't they say something about you, term limits as well? Which, again, the same scenario term, applies. Term limits? It, yeah, limit. it won't happen either. Yeah. It's uh, almost like asking to take a pay cut. I mean, yeah. l l we're talking about rainbows and unicorn farts well, here. Well, no, it's yeah. impossible because they have to they have to go against their their best interest with that. It, it would be like That's totally correct. like so, like 
No, they work so hard in their life to get to that position because now they get to benefit from all this. And it'd be like, oh, well, now I'm going to set in legislation to prevent me from getting all the, the frills of being, you know, yeah. <laughs> in, in Congress, well, you know? It, you know, it's dramatics, man. Ooh, ooh, I've got one. I've got one. Pick me. Pick me. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Gotcha. Do you guys remember? It was like a month ago. We went like four or five days without having a Speaker of the House up in, the, you know, the U.S. House of Representatives. Oh my God, that was, oh geez, that was so dramatic. That was so intense. And that changed my life. Not at all. No. For those people. Yet it, the media wanted you thinking that was a life altering event that we couldn't go forward. Our government was non-functional. These guys are into drama. They're all drama queens, including the media. These guys have, that's one thing I would, if I could impart anything on anyone tonight, I would impart you this. What happens in Washington, D.C.? has much less of an impact on you than what happens in your state general assembly. They have a much, much more direct impact on your life than anyone up in D.C. does. Because they're held the more accountable? Or are they legitimately held more accountable? Yeah, well, they're your neighbors, aren't they? Yeah, that, that's... I know where my my senator and my representative, they, they both, you know, my senator lives actually quite a ways from me. My representative lives seven miles from me. And I know where he lives and, you know, I can go visit him at his house, go talk to him. Um, you know, uh, yeah, they're more accountable because they live amongst us. They're not in these ivory castles, you know, Very like the, yeah. the folks in DC are. So let's, let's take it back a little bit. Um, so why should people be, uh, not into this, this digital currency, especially with the government taking over? Like you said, didn't something, I know you said it started in 2018 when crypto's kind of uh, got taken over by the government, but didn't something just pass here recently in December, the CNDBC Act or something, Central Central Bank? Central Bank Digital Currency, yeah. CBDC. Yeah. So if you guys ever hear that, that's what it means. But but yeah, it's uh, basically what it is, is the Federal Reserve knows the dollar is finished. I mean, honest to God, um, if I could speak about maybe something I've heard at some point, maybe from something reputable, maybe, maybe not, you never know. I'm just going to throw something out there that I heard that the BRIC nations want off the dollar and they're going to do it August 1st of this year. So they have their own version of the SWIFT system, an international payment system that will run everything but the dollar. And joining that list is Saudi Arabia. This is big. China's on that list. Russia's on that list. Brazil is on that list. You know, Thailand's on that list. There's a lot of countries that are tired of the dollar and they want off. Why? Do you know what our number one export is? Oil. I'm going to give you guys three guesses. No, not First oil. Our, our number not, one not oil. Our number one export that we export to people. Yep. Uh, I would I would have to say what Kansas bread basket. Uh, probably food. We export okay. a lot of food. That'd be that, my guess. Okay, I gave is like I said three guesses. First two don't count. So first one's down. Next one. I said oil. Oil? There's no okay, oil. That one doesn't There's count. No either. oil. Okay. All right. So you got a third guess now. Uh. Oh, weapons. Okay. That's gotcha. actually a good third guess. I feel like that's a good guess. Now, all of those are things we export, but our number one export is inflation. We are printing the crap out of the dollar, and we export the dollar because other countries must use it for international trade and oil. And of course, we have more dollars, and they have dollar-denominated debt in other nations. So how do they deal with that? They have to print more of their own currency to keep up with the Joneses, to keep up with the Federal Reserve and the dollar. 
so basically we're exporting inflation and we're causing inflation around the world because we're inflating the dollar. At some point, other countries are going to say, we're done playing this game because we are going to lose. You get to print all the money you want, but we have to use your money for international trade and for oil. But our money is becoming absolutely worthless against your currency, yet we have to keep printing more of it to keep up with the debt that we have that's based in your dollars, but it's killing our economy. So where is this coming from? Okay, so let's, I, I want to, I, I, and I know it's probably, you know, the latter part of all the answers we've had so far. It's kind of, kind of like a big drama show or drama queen type of thing, but... Mm -hmm. It's not just one administration, right? It's not Trump. It's not correct. Biden. It's it, not Obama. That is correct. It's deeper than that, right? Yes. It's shoot. If you want to take some some interesting numbers here, <clears throat> I I'm old enough to remember. I believe it was in 1984 or maybe 85 when we hit one trillion dollars in debt. My God, the media was all over it. This is back in the 80s. You know, basically people had big hair. You know, and yeah, that's what I remember most about the 80s. There was some really good music back then, too. But we also had a trillion dollars of debt and the media crucified Ronald Reagan for it. Boy, did they crucify him. And I remember that it went on for months, month after bloody month after bloody month. I remember the news programs doing graphics about one trillion dollars and one dollar bills, you know, stacked on each other, reach all the way to the moon. You know, they were trying to teach us how much one trillion is. And, and a trillion, you know, was hardly, you know, part of our, you know, vocabulary back then. That's in 1984, 85, let's say 85. And I could be wrong. It could have been 86, but nevertheless, it was during Reagan. So from the beginning of our nation, so 1787 is technically when we had, you know, well, 1776, we said we were a nation, 1787, we were a nation. Uh, but let's just say for argument's sake in 200 years, it took 200 years to reach $1 trillion in debt. So then, you know, basically by the time, um, Clinton left the white house, I believe we had about uh, 5 trillion in debt. And so then we had George Bush jr. Come in and we went from 5 trillion to 10 trillion during his tenure. And then Obama came in and we went from, 10 trillion to 20 trillion in eight years he was in office. And then, uh, and then basically Trump comes in, we go from 20 trillion, I believe it's to 28 trillion. We added another 8 trillion in four years. And now we're at 31.5 trillion, you know, with Biden in office for two years. So we've added even more guys. Not only is this not sustainable, I hate to tell you and your listeners, this cannot be paid back. There is absolutely no way to pay this money back without hyperinflating the ever-loving feces out of the dollar. That is the only way they can actually reasonably pay this back. But you know what they're going to do in the process? They're going to kill a lot of Americans. You know why I say kill? And I do mean dead, like six feet under. I do mean that. And the reason being is because it's a lack of resources at that point. When they hyperinflate the dollar like that, you guys remember Venezuela? Yeah. They were going to the zoo and eating zoo animals. They were killing each other for a can of peaches. That's what happens when you hyperinflate your currency in order to pay off your debt. I don't think that America is going to hyperinflate their currency to pay off the debt. I think they're going to give us a little taste of how awful it can be. 
And then they're going to offer us, hey, guys, got some digital currency for you. All you need is a digital wallet ID. Uh, we'll give you UBI. We'll give you some free money, you know, from the Federal Reserve every month because I, we know you're all hurting. But that digital like a universal uh, income, you're saying that they're going to instate a universal income along with the digital currency? I do currency? believe that that's how they'll entrap people into the digital dollar. Yes. Wow. Wow. And so, and then, and then on top of which, you can't get on your social medias until you actually give them your digital wallet ID. And then comes in digital uh, tyranny with social credit scoring. Businesses will have a digital wallet as well because they've got to do business and they've got to take in digital dollars and pay out digital dollars. And then ESG comes in to businesses. And then the total, total digital enslavement begins. That's why SB 100 in Missouri is so needed. And but other states are doing it too, by the way. They're borrowing our legislation. They see the tyranny coming down the pike here. So do you, they want? What, go ahead. What, what's so frustrating? And once again, I'm a layman. I'm an absolute dumbass. Like I'm a Joe Schmo I am too. off, I just off it, the man. street. Off the street. Whenever you start talking about currency, which is literally just a number for me, I'm like, this is a number, especially because it's not backed by gold. You get rid of the gold standard. It's literally just a number they make up out out of thin air from the Federal Reserve. And then all of this negative can can happen when the resources are here, the people are here, uh, the communities are here. All everything is here, but then they add in this number of what what a currency is. And then next thing you know, people will be begging for a digital currency or whatever. And then just how much it's manipulated is just unbelievably frustrating. Yeah. And it almost sounds orchestrated. It is. You, you, you know you know what I mean? And it's just so frustrating. It's the greed, man. It's the greed that, of these elite top, whatever, that, whatever you want to call it. I'm, that I'm here. I'm, I'm a hardworking American. Uh, I know plenty of hardworking people around me. You know, the, the farmers that do that, I get. There, there's plenty of occupations that are underappreciated, but all the people are there working those. So money, money shouldn't, the, the idea of the, it's just so weird to see that money was so beneficial for uh, creating the civilization that we have now. And now it's so manipulated on, on the other end to where you can literally ruin lives over this, what in my opinion is just an imaginary number. Yep. It's bullshit numbers. And then, and then you, you can do stuff like it's, it's infuriating actually is, is, um, is what it is. Jesse, I'm terribly sorry here. That sounded kind of derogatory, and it sounded like it was negative towards the government. So your social credit score has just gone down. Um, you know that movie you were going to go see last night? I'm sorry, your digital wallet won't work there. And that's what China—that's what people face yeah. in China—is exactly what you're describing. Yeah, yeah. You see, this is digital enslavement, <clears throat> and it's of the perfect kind because I guarantee you, <clears throat> once the digital wallet's instated. They will find a way to incorporate. If you want to be on social media, you'll have to put your digital wallet in your social media in order to make it work. So they'll monitor everything you say. And if you're critical of the government in the old days, in the good old days, if you're critical of the government in China or Russia, they just took you in the back and shot you. Right. Uh, but now, you know, basically all they do is they turn off your wallet or they turn off access to, uh, you know, a car. They turn off access to, you know, buying food or maybe, you know, they literally turn off access to making your rent payment because you're going to own nothing and be happy, right? You're going to have to rent. Um, 
there's a lot of things they can do if you're not happy with the government and you say so on your social media. This is self-censorship. We could talk about, we talked about censorship the last time I was on the show. I have been censored out of the biggest platforms now, and we're a legislative group, not a militia. Uh, we don't, you know, talk about picking up arms. We don't talk about that kind of stuff. Just we ideas. talk about legislation. And we are such a big threat. We were censored off of Outlook.com for email. We were censored off of Discord. You know, we we're censored. YouTube gave us a really hard time. I just left YouTube. Our channel still stands, but we're not using it anymore. We're on Odyssey now. And we're a legislative group. We're talking about using legislation to defeat the very systems I'm telling you about right now, because every state is sovereign and can actually protect itself from these, you know, digital nightmares that are coming down the pike from the Federal Reserve and the federal government. And the fact that they print so much money and no one, th everyone thinks, well, gosh, we're at 31.5 trillion and nothing's bad has happened. We could probably go up to 60 trillion with nothing bad happening. Well, we're not going to get there. You know why? Because the world is tired of using the dollar. They're they're getting tired of it. They're they're moving on. <clears throat> they're leaving us behind. They're going to go to another payment system and use another currency. And then suddenly a lot of dollars that aren't in use anymore are going to come marching home. That is a nightmare scenario right there. You know that Saudi Arabia is now taking gold for oil? They're taking other currencies too. They're taking Chinese yuan or renminbi, depending on, you know, your vernacular. They're taking the Russian ruble now. The Russian ruble wasn't taken by any country for a long, long time. No one wanted the ruble. Now Saudi Arabia is accepting rubles. They're accepting um, uh, all kinds of currencies and gold. They love gold. They want to take gold too. Um, so any, they're still taking dollars, but now they've given everyone a choice. And all these BRIC nations that won off the dollar have not used the dollar for oil for a while now. That is added to our inflation right here at home because those dollars come home. If they're not in use overseas anymore, they come home. So Whether they're digital, go ahead. So, I, so I'm, I'm just trying to wrap my head around this, and, and a lot of it makes sense, but when you talk about hyperinflation and whenever these things start to happen, and like you say, they give, give us a taste of what it's going to be like when all these dollars start marching back home, um, you said for them to counteract that that's when they're going to instate this digital currency, this governmental Federal Reserve-backed digital currency. And do they think that that's going to dupe countries again for Saudi Arabia to only accept this American digital currency? No, so I don't think the digital dollar will be the world reserve currency, no. I think that's to entrap and enslave Americans and uh, many countries that are our allies in the West. So, so I think that that's probably the way they'll go. And once again, there's no value in a digital currency except the value that you place on it. And when it's centralized, that's the, the real fear here. That's the difference between a good crypto and a bad crypto is the crypto centralized. If it's centralized, that means it's controlled by one central point. And that central point is not going to be you, Paul. It's going to be the Federal Reserve. Only they will know how many digital dollars are in circulation. And look at what they did with you. the dollar anyway, right? Yeah. Like It's like history repeating itself. Yeah. Pretty so, much. It, but but now they have more control over it. It's not a single dollar I can just exchange under the table for like if it's digital, there there's none of that. So well, no, there's there's everything's no more tracked. anonymous transactions. Yeah, yeah, that is correct. We, yeah. What, what everything's saying, tracked, everything's gonna be taxed. The government is involved in everything. Correct. That's that's terrifying. It's dystopian. Which it's yes, already it is. which it was it's been dystopian for a while. 
but you're talking about an extreme level. That's a big jump yeah. to a next level what of dystopian. What, what I'm saying, Pat, though, is like, how? what are they going to do, let's say, if August 1st truly happens and a lot of these places stop using the dollar? And you and like you talk about, they give us a taste of hyperinflation. What does that mean, they give us a taste? Because in, 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 in my eyes, that, I, I don't see any other way around just basically catastrophe within our, within our own country because what do we do at that point? Yeah, but Venezuela has been in a state of hyperinflation for eight years. What if they only give us six months taste of it? And then they say, oh, geez, you guys are hurting. <clears throat> you guys don't have enough money to make, you know, your house payments. You don't have enough money to buy food. We have another option for you. Sign up with uh, the digital dollar and then we'll give you UBI. They'll give us a taste of what it's like to actually go through hyperinflation for six months or a year. How about that? Instead of an eight-year, drawn-out, knock-down, drag-down, people killing each other over a can of peaches like Venezuela or Zimbabwe. Or another Great Depression. Or, well, actually, the Great Depression was a deflationary depression. We're looking at an inflationary. Gotcha, gotcha. The reason being is because we were still on the gold standard during right. the Great Depression. Right. So here's what happens. In a deflationary, um, uh, you know, in, uh, a deflationary depression... Banks and governments lose. They lose. They're the one. Actually, when you go through a deflationary depression, the people can win. But unfortunately, banks close. You know, the government stops services because they don't have the money anymore. Um, in a inflationary, you know, basically the the currency just becomes worthless. Everyone has piles of it, but you know, it's not even it's it's worthless. So, okay. so that's the difference. And I, the Great Depression was deflationary. I think the point that I that I was missing and now it kind of just comes to light is whenever these this thing, let's say this does happen, you could see World War Three. Mm -hmm. Because I mean, I don't think that the Federal Reserve or the, the the top elites in America, if whatever whatever's going on in that upper echelon of people, whoever's running the United States isn't going to just bend over and take it, right? I mean, they're, they're, yeah, probably not. Um, that's a good question in itself. And by the way, the August 1st date is just a whisper. Sure, sure. Yeah, so yeah. I just want you to I'm, know that. Yeah, I'm just and, saying if, if. We'll say uh, yep. December 1st. We'll go but, August 28th. But I'll tell you what. If we go into a deflationary depression, I think the central banks of the world would rather have a nuclear war than go through deflationary. They need it to be inflationary to survive. So, uh, you know, you know, and and I know I dance around this quite a bit. And maybe I'm not answering the question directly, but I agree with you. World War III is preferable to these banks. They have to cover up their spending. They have to cover up their second balance sheets that they didn't admit to. They have to cover up the sheer amount of printing they've been doing for years. I mean, there, ever since 2015, there's been one hell of a rumor that the Federal Reserve has a second balance sheet. And in, and I believe it was in 2018 or 2019, the rumor was there was $21 trillion on it. A second balance sheet with $21 trillion on it. Unaccounted for. Correct. Jesus Christ. Well, you know, you see, this, is, this is the insanity we're dealing with. And by the way, they never, they never denied the, the uh, second balance sheet. They simply wouldn't answer any questions about it. Yeah, which means it, exi it exists. It's Probably. just the question is how much. Yep. And where did, where did the money go? Yeah. So Catherine Austin Fitz talks about it, and she says she's pretty sure it went to defense contractors. It's not surprising. So, you know, okay. the military-industrial complex. That's what Catherine <laughs> Austin Fitz says. Man, 
it's so like looking at it like geopolitically and everything it is one thing but i start questioning the psyche and and like where where is the psyche of these individuals where is the spirituality that that you have to to even allow this to happen oh with, they're spiritual with all, all right like, they're like, just on the you, other side of that coin like do, <laughs> mm-hmm. like I, I can understand to where you can have so much uh you can separate yourself enough to where all of a sudden human lives uh, is just like, don't get me wrong. I still have an iPhone in my pocket. I know that it probably took a decent amount of human suffering to get this iPhone in my pocket too. And I still use it all the time because I like the iOS, you know, like I'm not ignorant to that. I, so maybe, maybe I'm to blame too. I, I don't know. But to see the overarching, just so much like possible suffering and everything as to where you can, you can, work this out and everybody can be happy and it just takes so little of you the the upper echelon people the elites whatever you want to call them to just give up just a little bit to where everybody can be happy and everybody works everything out and you just can't get that done and then all this has to happen like i i, I don't know i would i would like to know what goes through like whoever's in in charge of the federal reserve or these people in position of power like like legitimately how do you how do you sleep at night how do you sleep at night? Like, do you legitimately see yourself? Like, obviously, like, this is, seg- like, I'm changing the subject here, like, to where on a psychological level, how are you able to do what you do and cause all this suffering? Like, I, I just don't, it does not register with me at all. Like, like, how do you get to that point? I don't know. I know that's a very ambiguous question. I know you're not able to answer because every you probably speculate yourself. Like, where does the evil come from? Like, why why is there so much evil in the world? Which stems from this, but it's just, it's just so frustrating. I know. That's me Second venting. Timothy, for the love That's of money me. is the root of all evil. Which in those times, I mean, that for that to be but, the case, it's, it's just something that's traveled have with to humans be, forever. But they would have to be smart enough at one point, this is my opinion, you would have to be smart enough to know that it's just a number and you can only have so much. You know, you yep, can but, only have so much. You, yep, but it depends on your spiritual nature. Uh, you know, a Christian, you know... Literally, you know, wants to leave this world with as few regrets as possible, doing the right thing and to have, you know, a legacy of doing good things in the world and making the world a better place. Someone who doesn't believe wants to die with the most toys. You know, that, that that's a worldview change, I think. Oh, man, but or the can, most power. Say, or... But it, from from my experience <clears throat> of, of talking to people, it's not even so much religious. There There is corrupt Christians. Who, sure there is. You know, who do this. Sure there and, is. and there is there is atheists that, that do great things in the world. Do you know that that are self sacrificing and believe in the reduction of well, suffering we around them? We don't have to bring in There's, religion, I'm just saying it's probably morality at I, that point. I, I, know, I know it's just I don't know. It's just so frustrating. And do they just commune with each other? Like they all just have this yeah. evil idea and they all just Davos, like just you know, get world together forum, and they see how much yeah, how much we commune. can fuck the world. That's correct. You know? And and they feel satisfied at night, like like you like are they all socio well, sociopathic just no, lunatics? Psychopaths. Because psychopaths enjoy human suffering. Sociopaths don't enjoy it. They they inflict it as a matter of necessity. Psychopaths actually enjoy it. Have you guys ever seen before when uh, John McCain was still alive and every time we were announcing we were engaging in some new war and he's always in the background when the president's speaking and you can see him smiling and he's breathing real hard through his teeth? We see Bill Gates doing that sometimes when they talk about the people dying from COVID. These are psychopaths. 
that you know, and, and not to put too fine a point on it, you know, we're not on YouTube, so I can say this, but actually these psychopaths actually devi- uh, deride the same kind of pleasure that most people get from sex, from when they hear about people suffering and dying. That's what uh, what gets activated in their brain is the dopamine you would get, you know, basically from sex. Psychopaths. Look it up. And and those are our world leaders that have control over our currency. Well, I don't, and I don't there think, you go. I don't, I don't think that they're born that way. I think that anyone who gets in, a, in that type of position and whenever you have that access to that power, some people choose to go that route and enjoy the dopamine that way. I don't know because, you know, I think many of them are born that way because, uh, you know, they can identify psychopaths early by torturing animals. Sure. They want them to suffer as much as possible before they die. And they, that is a hallmark trait of a psychopath, you know, of a six-year-old. And, and, oddly, and oddly enough, I was watching a very small portion of a, um, of a podcast on why psychopaths um, in early human history were necessary where you talk, you you want the people that go in and are able to fight the other people. You want the psychopaths in there that have no no emotion and kill people to you know to be at the forefront. To like you have enemies coming in. Well, you need psychopaths to go out and do the killing. If you you're know? defending your own territory, yeah, it's good defending to have, territory. Yeah. It it's almost this piece of that. Uh, I'm doing a terrible job of this, but there was actually somebody explaining why psychopaths exist um, as far as like tribal tribal things like you needed people to go out and do terrible things to other human beings and be okay with it and come back and be re uh, back in society but now now you're talking about not something that like a thousand years ago when when or way more than that but tens of thousands of years ago whenever it was tribal but now like they're prevalent and they just have control of everything well, yes, it like, makes sense, too, if you think about it on a psychological level, because psychopaths and sociopaths don't have the mental barriers that people who uh, don't think the way they do uh, to getting a job done. They don't have those barriers. They think right through them. Hey, listen, if I've got to make a, a terrible accident happen to someone, you know, for instance, you guys remember the ice skaters back in the 90s, early 90s, late 80s? I can't remember their names anymore. One of them literally paid someone to go and, break, and break damage leg. another. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Oh man, I, I can't remember her name too. There's a great movie, like like a yeah, like and, almost. But but yeah. she did what she needed to do to be able to be number one in the Olympics. She made sure that the other girl couldn't compete by damaging her knee. You know, once again, this is they do what needs to be done. You know, no matter if it's legal or moral, these are not obstacles for them. They do what needs to be done in their mind to get the job done. This is why they rise to the top in industry. This is why they rise to the top in politics. It's actually very simple. And so uh, the psychology, you know, basically is people vote for them. That's what we've got to figure out. That's the part of the problem. It's because people go, yeah, this guy can get things done. And the people on the inside know this is a horrible, horrible person, horrible person. Shouldn't be in politics at all. You know, there's something seriously wrong with them. But the, you know, the regular, the folks, the the general population, they don't know. That's it. Yeah. I mean, it, it's crazy. I mean, it's at that point, they almost seem like demons to me because I don't feel like a, a, an all loving God would create people like that to exist on earth. You know what I'm saying? Well, yeah, but you, you know, God created everything, including evil. For sure. But you're right. I mean, they, they, for all we know that they're infested with demons and, you know, you know, they're, possessed somehow maybe maybe yeah. 
I mean, I hate to even speculate on that. Or, right, for sure. <clears throat> but it, 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 and I think that it's incumbent upon all of us to recognize that we do have world leaders that don't think the way we do that are okay with suffering and causing death. Right. We need to come to terms with that, whether that be we're okay with it or we have a problem with it, we need to come to terms with it because they are okay with causing suffering and death. And if you want to look at it from a psychopathic point of view, the best way to kill someone is to make them suffer the most before they die. And the most painful way to go is starvation, by the way. So yeah. I just throw that out there. But so you know, just, maybe they're going to make us starve. Let's make this clear, though, for all the viewers out there. There's enough resources on this earth for 8 billion people, 9 billion people, 10 billion people. There's a, 20 there, billion. 20 billion. Yeah, exactly. There's enough resources on, the, on this planet that we're living on for everyone. Mm-hmm. So that's like the most insane thing to me is that people don't see past that. And I think as people get older and they're trying to find their meaning, granted, I don't live in, the, in like a big city like New York or L.A. or Chicago and where their mindset's different. It's more geared towards the city life. And I know it might be a little different than where I'm at in the rural, not rural, but you know what I'm saying. I feel like as you get older, your purpose in life is to find out these things. And why can't everyone enjoy life the same way? I don't, I don't know. It's just weird. But the, yes, there's enough resources on this earth for everyone. And people need to realize that. But also, too, there's an economic system that makes that resource system work. Yeah, absolutely. If the economic system breaks down, it can take a long time to figure out what people want to exchange for goods and services. During that interim, farmers may not farm. Manufacturing may not manufacture. You know, uh, steel foundries may not, you know, create steel. There's a lot of bad things that can happen during that interim period. That's why every single country, every single state... They need to have a backup for their economic system. In the case of Missouri, we're going for gold and silver. And by the way, we have a great plan for it too. Lots okay. of different ways you can use gold and silver. We're not talking about physical coins here unless you want to go that route. There's all kinds of other ways to deal with gold and silver, including electronic. How does that? Okay, so kind of break it down in a quick way if you can. Sure. I, it may take a little bit, but how is that going to work in a state that has that you can use gold and silver's currency? How does that work again? You bet. Okay. Well, first off, you have to have a state recognize gold and silver as legal tender. And legal tender is a very specific legal term, and it means you can be paid in it. It's legal to pay someone in it. So that's what legal tender means. And when you have a state accepting gold and silver for payment of taxes, that means the state accepts gold and silver as legal tender. So that's where you start. Now, when you talk about physical gold and silver, you could go to your local hardware store and I'm sure bring a couple of silver coins with you and then buy, you know, some stuff that you need at the hardware store. And if they had a little device to verify the purity in another in a scale to verify the weight, you know, they could take your gold and silver knowing what, you know, the current price of silver is at that moment and use it. But also, too, you could have something called gold backs. These are pieces of paper that are impregnated with gold um, and actually are by the weight of gold given a value. And that weight is printed on the paper. So that's gold backs. These are very popular. Look them up. Uh, many states have them. Missouri's going to get them pretty soon too, by the way. And there's yet another way, which is electronically. Let's say you have a bullion bank. So basically a bullion bank like UPMA, United, uh, United Precious Metals Association, it's a private bank, not affiliated with the Federal Reserve. You deposit your dollars, they convert it to gold and silver, and they give you a debit card. And that debit card has direct access to that gold and silver. You can spend it like you could, you know, cash. 
you know, any place that takes a debit card will take this card and bam, you know, basically you're in business. You can make your purchase. Okay. So, so I mean, there's lots of different ways you can do it. So does Missouri currently have any type of reserves in gold and silver as a state? None. Okay. Not zero. So that would change if this were to be passed. Yes, that's correct. Okay. So how does that process work? So it's, from a state level, there would be people, you know, within Congress, within our within our state, that would purchase a large amount of gold and silver. Not necessarily a large amount, but some, yes. Okay. Uh, the bill calls for not less than one percent of the state's reserves to be held in the form of physical gold and silver. Right now, our state reserves are six billion dollars. Okay. So, so you know, uh, so one percent of six billion, that would be uh, sixty million, maybe. <laughs> Right. But again, like you said, in the uh, Constitution, it says we shouldn't have any at all. So let's say that that's the case. Then mm-hmm. then what do we do as a state in that in that type of situation? OK, well, if we can't have reserves, um, the state could still accept gold and silver in the payment of taxes and then convert it back into dollars immediately and spend it. OK, but states always have reserves. Remember now, the reserve, the, the word reserve generally means savings. According to our Constitution, it means savings. But they use that word for, hey, we've got money for a project that we're going to be doing in two years. We've spent the money technically on paper, but we're not paying anyone yet because the project doesn't start for two years. But they've already passed the bill for it and they're going to do the project. Well, they can have that money sitting in gold and silver rather than in bonds or dollars. Okay, so, there you know, could, so that's another way it can be done. Could there be any, any, any other issues? With, and again, sorry, I'm just curious. With mm-hmm. other countries hoarding gold or, you know, uh, even our federal government hoarding gold at that point. Because, again, there's a fine mine of, of gold and silver and minerals in the earth, correct? So why does if someone or a country makes it harder to access gold? How would that situation work out? Well, you know, basically what that would do is drive up the price of gold and silver, how much it's worth. So you want to talk about a deflationary currency? That's not a nightmare scenario. That's the dream scenario. Because if, you know, basically uh, gold and silver gets harder to get, you go to bed tonight, Paul, and uh, you have gold and silver, and it's worth, let's say, $10,000. And then you wake up tomorrow morning, and it's worth the equivalent of $15,000. It just went up 50% in value overnight because they found out they have a massive shortage of gold and silver. You could purchase more goods and services now with it. That's what a deflationary currency does. And that's what gold and silver are. They're a deflationary currency, not an inflationary currency. Uh, you can only mine so much out of the out of the earth. We've hit peak silver already. I'm not sure about peak gold, but we've definitely hit peak silver, and that was in 2015. Silver is actually becoming rarer than gold, yet it's very cheap compared to gold. And silver is the second most useful commodity on the planet right after oil. Silver's in everything. It's in everything. It's in this microphone right in front of me. It's in your phone. It's in your screen, your computer screen. It's in your car. You know, it's in water filtration. It's in every electronic device. I mean, silver cannot be replaced quickly, easily, or cheaply. They do have a synthetic version of silver. It's called graphene, and it costs $4,000 an ounce to manufacture. Oh, wow. How do you think the people in Missouri are going to react if, they were, if this were to get passed? Just from I like- think it's going to take a little while, but, but basically it's just a choice. We're not getting rid of the dollar. The dollar is not being touched by this bill. People can still use dollars all they like. What we're doing is we're giving them another option should, should they so choose to use it. That's all. So in any type of, the, uh, let's say, the gold backs, would the, if people were to use that as legal tender, would that, would that money obviously would stay in Missouri? It wouldn't go to yep, any other pretty state. Pretty much. Unless, I think so, too. Right. I think you're right. 
Right, unless there were other states that did it, and then they accepted each other's goldbacks and we stuff do. like that. They're all the all the states' goldbacks are interchangeable. Okay. Okay. I mean, it, it makes sense, you know, especially from a deflationary aspect. I think that go, is more geared towards the individual as opposed to the corporation like you talked about or the big man or whatever it is you want to or say. Or the government for that matter. Exactly, or the government. It, it's, it's it's honestly an, an incentive to save money. And even at that, that point, um, I mean, I guess you don't want it. You don't want it to go up 50% overnight. You know what I'm saying? Because people who spend all of their gold in one day... You know, they'd look back and be like, shit, I wish I didn't spend my gold. You know what I'm saying? Because it'd be harder yeah, to find that's it. That's what way. happens with a deflationary currency. People actually begin to save. You know, the reason people don't save anymore, it's not because they don't necessarily have the money to save. Uh, savings uh, basically has been going away, you know, since I was a kid. Uh, it's because the dollar's becoming worth less and less every year. You buy less and less with it. So people don't necessarily want to save in dollars anymore. What they do is they speculate in the stock market. Yep. You know, they, they go into that risk on environment, trying to keep up with inflation going, you know what, I'm going to be retiring in 20 years and I'm looking at my retirement account right now and holy mackerel. You know, it's only worth about $50,000. I am not keeping up with inflation at this point. When I retire, I need to have like $2 million, right? And, you know, I've only got 50000 and I've been saving for, you know, 20 years already. You know, that's all I got. That's what happens when you have an inflationary currency. You simply don't keep up with inflation. <clears throat> so if you have a deflationary currency, you can actually keep up with inflation, and actually surpass it in many cases just by saving it, not by investing with it, just by holding it. And that's why you—that's why they stopped using it in the seventies. Was specifically yeah. probably for that reason because they did, people were saving money, houses were affordable. Only the main, only the, you know we talked about this on the podcast well, podcast before. Only so, one person had to work yep. from home. They didn't like that, man. They had to break the system. Everything you're talking about—that's exactly what they wanted to destroy, so that they could control us in this fashion with inflation. And put well, us at the brink of, yeah, of starvation. The real reason, and all that Jesse, Jesse, I, let me say this real quick. The real reason why they got us off the gold standard is we absolutely could not continue to go to war without literally getting off the gold standard. We couldn't afford to continue going to war. Um, that is the number one prime reason they took us off the gold standard. But also keep in mind, foreigners, particularly people from France, were coming to America you know, with, uh, you know, basically uh, $50 bills, $100 bills, and in some cases bonds, treasuries, coming to Federal Reserve banks because they were from overseas and changing it out for gold because they knew gold was worth a whole lot more than that little piece of paper. So they were draining our reserves. So that was a big part of it. Our, and we don't have reserves in gold anymore. We just don't. Fort Knox? If we did, they would audit yeah. Fort Knox. Fort Knox was drained and probably gone in the 1960s. Oh wow! For for a lighter, just a little bit of a lighter topic. While it's on my head, yeah, is yeah. the reason why they went to paper money as opposed to having like a gold coin or a dollar worth that same amount because people could chip away like little pieces of that gold coin and then mm -hmm. store it. And then if you have a hundred gold coins and you just take a little piece of it off where it's barely noticeable you could eventually have another gold coin as to where if it's represented by paper money you can't do that is that kind of where that initially came in i think so i think that was part of it it's really what, interesting heads. i always thought that that was yeah. really interesting like like thinking about why we don't have the physical coin of the actual uh but couldn't you weigh it though at time of purchase to have sure. scales that accurate though 
back then. This is way right. this is way I got back. You. I see you're saying back then. Got you, got you. Back then. Yep. So uh, basically, I mean, there's a lot of different ways we can handle this, but I'll tell you what: a lot of people are Bitcoin purists, and they say we need to go to Bitcoin. Bitcoin does not have the history that gold and silver does. We have 5,000 years of written history about gold and silver being used as money. Right. 5,000 years of history. And it's still wanted and needed today. I mean, especially silver. You know, I've said this on every podcast I've ever been on, probably yours before too. But if you woke up tomorrow morning and all the gold in the world suddenly disappeared and it was gone while you were sleeping, you really wouldn't notice that big of a difference in the world. But if you woke up the next morning and all the silver was gone, we'd be back to 1820. Yeah. Well, so silver is, is so valuable. I don't think silver should actually be used as money. It's far too valuable for industry. But they're also, it's, it's undervalued. Seriously undervalued. And if silver becomes a monetary metal again, it's going to become, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be in demand again. The value will go up. I'm I'm there with you, and, and I just kind of just kind of watch it play out, you know, and definitely be prepared. And and you know, if you have money to invest into the stock market, why not invo you know add some of precious metals to your portfolio? You know, there's nothing wrong with that to have a little bit of everything, not put all your eggs in one basket, just in case type of thing. But I, Pat, I'm cheering you on, man, for 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 your initiative and your group for you guys to go there tomorrow and have some good conversation and put forth. Good things from Missourians, man, and that and that's awesome. Mm -hmm. But before we let you go, and I don't know if there's anything else you want to add, because um, we are right at the hour. We can keep going. Either way, it doesn't matter to me. I know you got to be up early. Um, mm. Definitely would like to talk about just some uh, other subjects, just like rapid-fire questions, just to get your thoughts on those, too. Sure. Go ahead. Um, do you um, Are you familiar with Andrew Tate? I'm not. Okay. He's, Good for you, man. Yeah, he's just this massive... Good for you. This massive... Tick this That's a refreshing guy, answer. <laughs> yeah. He, so basically he became internet famous within the past year and, and he polarized the internet and he went to Romania and now he's, he's been in jail for almost a month and a half and they're not letting him out for allegations. Yeah, none of this has been proven yet. So he's a misogynistic kind of guy. He's, you know, just look him up. And then I don't know if you have even have time to do it, but you'll see what I'm talking don't, about. Don't waste your time. <laughs> It's 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 think don't waste your it, time. It's interesting. Basically, he's saying he broke the matrix, and the matrix is attacking him because he's making people wake up. Which part of his message is very unbearable and hard to listen to. But there's another part of his message that has inspired a lot of young men and men in general. Gives to, confidence. He he gives confidence to young insecure and this males. Is, in, and this is Jesse's aspect. Is he saying if if he inspired me, I'm not saying that I'm don't have confidence and stuff like that. He hasn't inspired man, inspired me. What I'm saying is that he has helped a lot of people. And okay. I'm not saying he's bad or I'm not saying he's good. I just didn't know if you knew who he was. Never heard of him. So you don't so. you don't fancy the Matrix. Thank, thank, thank God. You don't <laughs> fancy that we could be potentially living in a Matrix. I do believe we're living in a Matrix. Okay. There's a real world and there's a pretend world. And I've talked about this ad nauseum. And actually, I'll talk about, I'll, I'll talk about it really quick on a metaphysical level. There's a lot of people that are taking antidepressants it's throughout the entire world. It's not just in the United States. The United States, it's an epidemic. But there's a reason why people are depressed. Things are not the way they should be. And they don't know why. And they can't explain it. 
they can't articulate it. They can't, in many cases, they just don't understand, but they know something's wrong and they're depressed. Now, some people say, well, that's just a chemical imbalance. You know, people have bad diets and they have chemical imbalances. They end up depressed and they get on pharmaceuticals. I don't think so. I think there's a lot more to it than that. And uh, that plays in well to what you would uh, refer to right now as the matrix. And I do believe that uh, there's a real world and there's a matrix and it's not physical. It's a state of mind. It's a state of mind. You know, for instance, people believing that the federal government is all powerful. That is absolutely wrong. If you read the Constitution of the United States and then read your state constitution, you would see that your state is actually all powerful. Your, your federal government is really limited. So that's part of the matrix. When I think it goes back, and this was just something I read, you know, just briefly, um, you, you point to something that you, you make a great point. You, again, what they put in our food, potentially what they put in the sky. I, I mean, I, we all see the chemtrails, mm-hmm. whatever it is you want to call it. Um, who knows what they put in the water? There's a, a fascinating website that you can go to and you can actually check it by city, by county, by, you know what I'm, I think it's by city. They're reported or they have to report water samples to a, a certain specific place. And then mm-hmm. through a website, you can see what's in your city's water, all the mm-hmm. different harmful contaminants that could be in the water with all those things in play. You look back and what they say, you know, in, in, um, caveman times that they only lived to be 30 years old. Right. Well, in those times, okay. they were eating the most healthy food. They were drinking, un, you know, just water from the river that's pure. You know what I'm saying? Uncorrupted skies, beautiful air to breathe in. How were they only living for 30 years? Granted, I know well, was, they were killing each other, probably. Is well, what we, well your, first, your first question should be, how do we know they only live 30 years? That's what I'm saying. With all, with, with every, they, they, there was no matrix around them, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah. And by the way, I don't buy into, you know, what they say happened with evolution. So I, I don't, I, I don't either. And, and so basically whenever they say, well, this is the way it was 10 million, year, 10 million years ago, I say, prove it. You need to prove it. Simply saying so doesn't make it so. And, but unfortunately science has moved in that direction. The sci- the lies in science is part of the matrix that you're talking about right now. There's a lot of lies in science oh, now yeah. because there's a narrative in science. There's special interests in science. You know, there's, there's a lot going on basically that isn't real science anymore. Which by the way, that was the second video on TikTok that went pretty well. It's like <clears> 35,000 or 40,000 views was about when you talked about the first star or not seeing a star form. We've never seen it happen. Mm-hmm. And dude, all of the all the uh, NASA and space junkies out mm-hmm. there, dude, they were they were attacking you. So you'd have to read some of those comments. It was pretty fun. It was pretty interesting. Someday, if I have time, I'll read it. But oh, once yeah, yeah. again, McNeil's Nebula has already been disproven. So yeah. it, whether they argue, you know, saying I'm wrong, you know, all they have to do is go back to the NASA X-ray plates. Right. Did you have any interesting? Do you have any questions that off the top of your head for Pat? Just some random. Oh, I mean, I have stuff like going back to earlier stuff that he said, but that's not going to translate well. So, so no, I could just say no to that. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, Pat, I know you're a busy man. Go ahead. Yep. I'll I'll tell you what. Let me say a few things here before we wrap her up. Uh, First off, um, we're up in Jefferson City a lot. We're making things happen, and uh, that is not hyperbole. We're doing a lot of very, very important work up there right now. <clears throat> we have a lot of interesting people joining us in our movement. Um, we have the Mises Caucus and the Libertarian Party joining us. Um, and that's big, big stuff right there. I mean, 
uh, why would a, an entire political party be interested in what little old Pat Holland's doing? And uh, you might ask yourself that question. I'm asking myself that question a lot lately, too. And it's not just that. We have people that are part of other uh, organizations that are, you know, grassroots organizations joining us because they see the grassroots organizations that they're in is ineffective or um, actually, let's just say, lazy, not doing anything other than participating in echo chambers. We're actually going up to Jeff City. We're actually working with these legislators. We're providing solutions. We're working the problem. We're getting things done. We're uh, we have an off. We have a healthy amount of respect and a little bit of fear, um, and that's the way we like it. Um, we want it mostly respect, though. You know, obviously, we don't want them fearing us, um, and that's because the sheer number that we have. I mean, we're we're getting very big. Um, people are joining us from all over the state of, you know, random people just joining us with, you know, I announce, you know, on our live streams or on email or on Twitter that we're going to Jefferson city. And then, you know, 20 people show up. I've never met before, you know, then, you know, join us at Jefferson city for knock and shock or for some other campaign that we're doing or for, you know, some kind of committee hearing. So it's uh, pretty special. It's uh, this uh, Jefferson City has never seen anything like it before. But then again, neither have I. So it's uh, it's a really cool place to be, and it's a model that many states, you know, are following. Are starting to. I'm getting phone calls from all over the United States asking me how we're doing it. And so I share with them every bit, everything I can think of, and I say duplicate it because it's working here. And get your state under control. You know, and this is the way you fix the federal government. You fix your states. Once you clean up your backyard and your in all these 50 states, believe it or not, it's much easier to clean up the federal government. You cannot start with the federal government. It cannot be done. You know, how many decades of evidence do we have of this? So what we're doing is we're cleaning up the state of Missouri. That's what we're doing. And and I'm very happy to be a part of it. And, uh, and I am certainly not a leader, but I am an organizer of leaders. Everyone in our organization is a leader. Every person who comes to Jeff City and does knock and shock with us, participates in committee hearings, sends emails, makes phone calls, they're the leaders. And I just help to organize them. That's what I do. And our website, by the way, is mofree.org. And uh, we're getting a big facelift here in about a month on our website. But please do sign up on our email list. That's our primary, primary point of contact. We had to go that route because we get censored pretty much everywhere we go, even though we're a legislative group. We're legislative and we're getting censored. Uh, this is just crazy. We're the people that are talking about legislation in a state and how to change it, how to make it better, how to work with the Missouri Constitution, how we can nullify the federal government. That's what we do. And we do it all legislatively. And we get censored like crazy everywhere we go. We get shut down. We get canceled. I mean, the wild one was literally MicrosoftOutlook.com. Outlook.com. They took away our email address. They took away our ability to um, to send out emails. I mean, it, it was just crazy. And they said we were sending out spam. There was not. I asked them to prove that we were sending out spam. They did not prove it to us. They kept us shut down. They did reopen the account so I could get in and get all the email addresses off of it, but I can't send out emails on it. So uh, Discord, gone. Twitter was shut down for a while too. We hit 14,000 
uh, followers on Twitter back in May, May of 2022, and then they shut down our Twitter account. They didn't give any explanation. They just said the the account has been deactivated. That's the exact word they used. Was that during the I, uh, the time period where Elon Musk was the CEO of that company? No, no not yet. No, that was before no, he came okay. in. But okay. it was the same day that our Discord was shut down, by the way, oddly enough. The same exact day our Discord was shut down, our Twitter account was deactivated. I had to go through a lot of hoops to get our Twitter back up, but I decided not to go back to Discord. So that's been painful for us. Uh, we're not on YouTube anymore either. That has also been painful for us. We'll put up with the pain though, because on Odyssey, we're not censored. But we also don't have access to the audience the way we did on YouTube. So our numbers are much smaller there. I'm happy to report our Twitter account, literally in the month of January, got back up to 14,000 because uh, we started from scratch back in May again when they shut down our account. So I got the account back, but I didn't get our numbers back. So, but we're back up to 14,000. So as you guys can imagine, I'm on pins and needles right now, wondering if they're going to do it to us again. Um, I don't understand why we're such a big threat to the system because we don't, you know, you know, the guys like the Uvalde shooter, he was threatening to kill people for months, you know, on his social media platforms. No one shut him down. He was threatening to kill people with guns. And no one shut him down. And so he went in and shot up the school. And then his socials got shut down uh, two months or two hours after he was killed by the police. In, in our case, we just get shut down randomly. And we're talking about legislation in the state of Missouri and how we can make it better. And, you know, how we can actually do uh, legislation to nullify things like the EPA. How we can, you know, nullify, you know, the ATF. That's what we talk about. And it's totally legal. It's 10th Amendment stuff. But we're a much bigger threat, apparently, to the system than someone who will go in and shoot up a school. Because they don't shut his account down. They shut us down. That's what it's like to be me. It sucks. It really sucks. That's why we're on uh, Odyssey now. We've never had a problem with Odyssey. They've never censored us. Um, so it's a good platform to be on, but it just doesn't have the numbers that YouTube does. You're rocking it out though, man. So that's all that matters. Yeah, man. Mm -hmm. Stay, stay strong through that. Yeah. Like, well, uh, so sorry, real fast after Parsons is done, who do we have on ticket for, for governor? Is there any names that we should be looking out for? Bill Igle. Bill Igle. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yep. Well, hopefully there's some good, fresh debates between his opponent or if he's able to, you know, however the, the, Whoever he's going up against or even if he gets in that position, I hope there's some good, clean debate, and it's someone who's truthful and wants to help Missouri. You guys have got to see Bill Eichel speak. Okay. Once you see him speak, uh, I think you guys will understand what I'm saying, Bill Eichel. Okay. Well, I'll put all your – It has to be, Bill. I'll put all your contacts down below, uh, your Odyssey, um, your your Twitter, and all those good things. Mm -hmm. um, but before, whenever I do leave, there is just two really fast questions i got to ask you real quick before sure. before you get off. So I'm going to go ahead and end it there. Um, Pat, thanks for joining Talk Junkies, man. It's always beautiful to have you on. Look forward to uh, having you on again sometime in the future, and good luck tomorrow, man. All right. Thank you very much. I, I love talking to you guys, man. It has been a long time, and it has been fun to come back. And I'm sorry. This time I felt like I did all the talking. I'm sorry about that. No, no. I love it, man. No, no. I, lo I love it, too. Th this one was a little bit more... Uh dismal but i mean you got to have those kind of conversations too you can't dystopian you know. we, yeah. we, we've had yeah we've had lighter heart <laughs> conversations first yeah, part they, we they have wasn't to, too bad yeah, but yeah they, they have to be had you know
Rock on. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, Pat Hall. Hey, can I do my Kamala Harris interview, or uh, I'm sorry, impersonation before we end? 100%. Yeah, absolutely. All right, cool. All right, here, here you go. Kamala Harris, Vice President of the United States, all right? Good, good. Everything is proceeding as I have foreseen. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. That's Emperor. I'm sorry. I meant to say the Emperor, Emperor Palpatine. <laughs> That was great. <laughs> well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Pat Holland with the Missouri Freedom Initiative Truth Money Freedom Podcast. Um, the best thing you guys can do for this video is hit the like button, share, subscribe. I mean, well, this won't be on YouTube, so just do, do uh, hit the share button on uh, iTunes, Spotify, because they don't censor too bad either, at least for us. And, uh, last podcast we had Pat on, he's still on there as well, and we got into some deep shit on that. But um, to all our junkies out there, uh, stay fly and try to reduce the suffering that's around you. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I had to switch it up with, with all that I'm like that's you know reduce the suffering that's around you I don't know <laughs>